we uh, just finished a series, actually, and it was called Rework. It was all about work. How do we go out into the world and bring the kingdom of God, whether we're at work or whether we're in our family or whatever environment we find ourselves in, we are called to bring the kingdom of God, the love of God, the truth of the gospel into those spaces. And I loved that series because it was really practical in many ways. But what I realize is, no matter what we learn, there's actually a hurdle in our way. And if we can't get over this hurdle, we'll never be on mission for God. Because what will happen is this hurdle will stop us in our tracks. This hurdle seems physically, spiritually, and emotionally too high for us to jump over. So today, what I want to do is, I want to help us, help us realize that it's not a wall, but it's simply just a hurdle we need to jump over to walk in the purpose that God's for you, that God's got for you. So the hurdle, this seemingly unsurmountable obstacle, is actually you. And I, and I want to take us to the Old Testament, to the book of Judges, to a man named Gideon. Now we find ourselves in the history of Israel. So Israel just come out of oppression and slavery in Egypt. God's brought them out. And they've gone into the promised land. Joshua takes them in. It's this season where they don't have any kings ruling over them. God is their king. But they have these judges that judge Israel. And so we find Gideon in this space right there. And the Midianites, these people in the promised land, they'd been oppressing and terrorizing the nation of Israel for about seven years. And the nation of Israel, they were, they were hiding in the hills and in the caves and they didn't have any food. And the people then are like, they're crying out to God. They're like, God, we need deliverance. Now, God wanted to use a man named Gideon to set the nation of Israel free from the Midianites. So what he does is he sends this angel to Gideon, but there's a hurdle. There's this hurdle in Gideon's heart, and it was himself. And we find this in chapter 6, verses 11 to 15. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakness, weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. You see, God comes to Gideon, but there is this hurdle in Gideon's heart and it's actually himself. He comes to this man who's the least tribe and the least in his tribe. You see, Gideon doesn't believe that he's actually good enough for God to use him. But before we get into the message, I would like to pray. Would you please join me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word because your word is truth, Lord. We thank you that, that you have a plan and a purpose for each and every person here, God. Lord, I pray that you would help me preach your word with truth, with grace, and with love. But Lord, that they wouldn't look to me, but they'd only look to you, the one who brings life and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. So about a year and a half or two years ago, it was probably two years ago, Stu Cameron, our lead minister, came to me and said, 
Look, the congregation down at Coolangatta have come to us and asked us to plant a church there in Coolangatta, and we think you're the guy to go down and plant that church. And I was like, wow, that's lovely. That's an honor. Um, but I probably won't go down unless I believe God's called me to it. Because if I'm just going down under my own strength, or I'm going down because you think I'm the guy, then it's just not going to work. Unless God's calling me down there, I'm not going to go. And so I went praying and I went fasting for quite a while. And I honestly felt in my spirit that God was calling me to do this, to, to, to step out in faith and, and come down here and plant a church in the heart of Coolangatta. And so I said to Stu, yeah, I, I feel like God's calling me to do it. So let's go. But a couple of months down the track, when everything started to get organized and things got closer, all this fear and this doubt just started coming over me. And I was looking at all the other leaders around me, like Michael Hands, Pastor Michael Hands, and Pastor Stu, and, and Anna, and, and all these other pastors around me, and these leaders in other churches, and I'm like, oh, I'm not like them. Like, they're amazing leaders. They're amazing preachers. They have amazing gifts. And I was freaking out, because I'm like, I'm not like them. I don't have the gifts and talents to do this. And so I'm crying out to God, and I'm praying in this moment. I'm like, God, you've got the wrong guy. It's, it's, it's not something I can do. I'm not a great leader like these guys. And I really felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and go, that's lack of faith. And, and it, that broke my heart. It really did. Because I said, no, 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 God, you don't understand. I have full faith in you. I just don't have faith in myself. But here's the crazy thing. I was to become the one who decides if God could work or not. Because I'm saying, I don't have the gifts, therefore God, you can't do it. And that is lack of faith. Because I was like Gideon, right? God's going, I'm calling you to this, but I'm like, oh, I can't do this. There was a hurdle in me and I didn't think I was good enough. So the question is, is this a hurdle in you? Do you lack faith that God actually wants to use you? Do you lack faith that, that God can't use you? Do you think, God can't use me. I'm not good enough. Like, I can't speak like others do. I can't remember scripture like James, or I can't evangelize like Susie. Like, how can God use me? And you see, these things, when we think these things, what we're doing is we're setting up a wall in our hearts and our minds. And you know what? This is exactly how Satan wants you to think. Because here's the reality. Satan's lost the battle for your soul. He has no claim on you because Jesus has claimed you through the cross. So the only thing Satan can do right now, he can't have your soul, but he can stop, try and stop you walking in faith, truth, and love for the kingdom of God. So what he'll try and do is he'll try and make you think you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, you're not smart enough, you're not talented enough, or you're not righteous, righteous enough. But here's the truth. In Jesus Christ, you are righteous. You are good enough. You are worthy. And God desires to use you in his power so that your faith will increase in you and you will be in boldness walking out in the power of God because God actually wants to work through you. And there's a few things I want to look at in this story of Gideon today. And they are God's vision, our hurdles, but then God's provision. So the first thing I want to look at is God's vision. Do you know God has a better vision for who you are than you have of yourself? Like we have all these things in our lives. The world tells us we're not good enough. 
we tell ourselves we're not good enough. We have all these voices coming in that define who we are, and we think that's our identity, that's our reality. But God has a better vision for who you are. See, lots of people lack confidence. They have a bad self-image, right? And this causes depression and anxiety, but God sees the potential in you, in Christ Jesus. And we see this in verse 12. It says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, and he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. This is cool because he calls Gideon a mighty warrior. He was not a mighty warrior. He was just a farmer. He was the son of a farmer. He wasn't a warrior. He wasn't someone who went out and fought. He was just the weakest, though in the weakest tribe of Israel. He was the lowest himself in the family. But that's not how God sees him. But see, here's the thing. The world will try and define you, but we need to be defined by God. See, God called Gideon into who he was, who he purposed him to be, not what Gideon thinks of himself or what the world's labelled him. So God's called Gideon to be a mighty warrior. God calls him what he will be, not what he currently is. And this is what we need to understand as disciples of Jesus Christ. We are saved. We become sons and daughters of the Most High God in that moment. We have a new identity. We have a new heart and a new spirit that's put in us. And he sees us like that. It doesn't matter what the world says about you. How does God see you? He sees you as a son and a daughter. So God has a better vision for who you are and who you'll become than we have of ourselves. And this vision that God has is for our purpose and for our life. Here's the problem, right? We get caught up in our failures. Who gets caught up in their failures? Oh, I stuffed up. God can't use me. Or we get caught up in our position in society and we lack strength. We think we lack strength, and therefore we don't see the vision God has for each and every one of us. And Gideon suffered from this too. He says in verse 13, Pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? He's looking at the things around him and going, You're not with us. He doesn't realize God is with them the whole time. We're all these wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand, and I'm not sending you. So first, God calls Gideon, who we will be, a mighty warrior, and then God, God tells Gideon to go in the strength that he has. God's like, yeah, look, I know you don't see yourself as I see you, but go in the strength that you actually have because I'm with you, and I will make you into what I've declared you to be. You don't need to be the greatest for me to use you. Give me what you have and I'll do the rest. And this is like this parable that Jesus speaks about when he talks about the mustard seed, right? There is this mustard seed that's tiny. He says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, but when it's planted, it grows up into a huge tree and all the birds nest in it. That's what God's saying to us. Bring me your mustard seed. Like if you've got only your strength, bring me what you have and I will make a beautiful story out of it. And in Philippians 4.13, we have this verse where it talks about, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me, right? And you see people in sports, they have it written on their arm. It's kind of out of context. Like, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me, yes, but it's not to get you, you know, to be famous or get you to be the world champion or whatever or get you into the grand final. It's God who strengthens us. We can do all things. We can suffer. We can suffer poverty. We can be rich. We can suffer loss. We can be in pain. But it's Christ who strengthens us in that moment, right? It's he who's with us. And I love that God specifically called the least equipped person in Israel, Gideon. 
Like, I love that. That's so encouraging to me, and it should be to every single Christian. So if you feel the least equipped to be on mission for God, well, then he wants you. How encouraging is that? <laughs> this is the beauty of God and the gospel. God wants you no matter who you are or how bad you see yourself, because he doesn't see you like that. See, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 27 says, For see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. Praise God, right? He's not calling all the people that are amazingly great at talking. He's not calling all these people that are super rich. He's calling just the everyday person and saying, that's your calling. I've called you to come and be powerful in the kingdom of God because I'm going to empower you. So this is the God vision for you in your life. And God wants you to go on the little strength you have. But there are hurdles to stepping into that God vision, right? This brings me to the second point. Our biggest hurdles are fear and doubt, right? Like who has fear sometimes? Who doubts that God loves them or God wants to use them or God wants to work in and through them? You see, if, when we're afraid, it actually stops us in our tracks. And then we doubt. We just stop. And when we're afraid, we don't, we don't think we have what it takes and we doubt God could actually work through us. And even though Gideon had an angel come and talk to him, like think about that, he had an angel appear to him and say, this is what I want you to do, he still had fear and doubt. So Gideon prays to God in verse 36. He says, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and on the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day, and he squeezed the fleece and wrung it out, wrung out the dew and a bowl full of water. So he's like, oh, I've seen an angel. You've called me to this. I'm still like doubting it. So he calls on God to actually do a miracle. Who knows like, if there's dew on the ground, it's on everything, right? Like there's not just dew on your car and not on the grass. Like it gets over everything. And so God performs this miracle to prove to him that he is with him right the fleece is all wet so he squeezes it out but then we continue in verse 39 it says then Gideon said to God don't be angry with me let me just ask one more request allow me one more test with the fleece but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew and that night God did so only the fleece was dry and the ground was covered in dew he's just like oh come on like he didn't believe the first miracle of the angel, he didn't believe the second miracle of the, of the fleece, he's gone again. It's quite interesting, isn't it? That he had this doubt and he kept going, but you know what? We can be judgmental on Gideon here. We can go, ha, oh, if I saw an angel, I'd do that. Would you? Like, would you? If I put a fleece out and God did a miracle, I'd definitely follow him. Would you? Like, are we that proud to say that we would? Because I don't know if we would. I think we'd be like him. We'd want another sign and another sign and another sign because we're too scared to step into that. And so putting out a, a fleece too, like Christians go, oh, this is how we do it. We've got to put something out and test God. We don't need to put a fleece out because we know God's calling us to something. Our fleece is Jesus Christ. It's not a lesson of how we do it. All we have to do is look at the cross and go, there's the fleece right there. God is calling me into mission. He's calling me into Christ. He's calling me to share the love of the gospel. And the second fleece that's been put out is the Bible. 
We know our calling through the Bible stories like this. We're getting his, uh, God is calling us, like Gideon, into the story of salvation for the world. It's amazing. God wants you. He wants to partner with you to bring the truth and the love and the grace into the world. The question is we have to wrestle with. What's God called you to in the past or is calling you to now that you're not actually stepping into because of the hurdles? Because God's calling every single one of us into something. You know, maybe you felt a call to, to do something in the community and you're like, oh, I just don't know if it's really God. And you're looking for a miracle. Or you, you, you might feel as, oh, I should really get into a small group and get into community, but then you're like, you're not stepping into that. Or I really felt this call to kids ministry or, or serving my family or discipleship or whatever it is. Inviting my family and friends to, to church or to Alpha. What God does is he calls us to step out in faith because he has a God vision for you. You know, it's only stepping out of our comfort zone and stepping into faith in the face of fear and doubt that we can actually experience the power and the provision and the work of God in our lives. And it brings me to this last point, God's provision. You see, after the fleece and, and, and God's grace on Gideon in that moment of continuing to show him he was with him, all the Midianites, they actually gathered together to war against Israel. And knowing Gideon didn't actually have the power or the bravery in him, God pours out his spirit upon him. You see, God provides the power to step into his calling. We see this in verse 30, 34. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abizarites to follow him. You see, God's like, I know you can't do it. So I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you, and I'm going to empower you to lead, to gather these people together. And here's the thing we need to understand. In the Old Testament, when the Spirit came on people, they only come and rested on them for moments. Just moments to empower them. But Christians, we Christians, we have the Holy Spirit living in us all the time. It's just not for a moment to lead. It's not just for a moment for bravery. We have received the Holy Spirit for repentance and putting our faith in Jesus. God is with us. We don't have to put out a fleece and go, God, are you with me? He's like, yes, I'm already in you. Wherever you go, I'm there. I'm there with you to empower you. And it's this amazing thing. And this is a story. It actually, for Gideon, it continues. And Gideon gathers 32,000 Israelites to fight against the Midianites, about 120,000. Not great odds, hey? Like you got 32,000, they got 120,000. But here's the thing. It actually gets worse. In chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Early in the morning, Gideon and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was on the north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreth. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me, saying, My own strength saved me. Now announce to the army, Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left and 10,000 remained. Like it wasn't great odds already. 32,000 versus 120, right? And then 22,000 people leave. He's left with 10. 10,000 people. But then it gets worse. God cuts it down even more. He says to him, take all the men down to the water. And whoever kneels down and drinks, send them home. And whoever laps up the water, you keep them. And so then we find in verse 7, the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped up, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. Let the others go home. 
So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. 32,000 down to 300. That's literally less than 1% that he started with. God didn't even give him 1%. Now tell me, that's not going to scare the living daylights out of you if you're Gideon and you're facing an army that big. Tell me that Gideon didn't have faith. What a man of faith. Like, I don't think I would have sent the first 22,000 home. Because, like, send them home, like, oh, dude, like, it's 120, 32. Um, I don't think so, right? But then God reduces his army down to less than 1%. Are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness. Seriously, Gideon. What a man of faith. It'd be like God saying to me when we're about to plant here in New Life Coolangatta a year and a half ago, hey, all those 50 people that are coming with you from um, Rabina, just tell them all to go home. Just tell them all to go back to Rabina and, and don't come with you. I just want you to go on your own because I don't want you to claim any of the glory of what I'm actually going to do down there at Cooley. Like, I can't seriously say I would have done that. <laughs> I hope I would have the faith and obedience to follow God, but man, it would have freaked me out. You see, God could have given us millions of dollars and could, could have given Coolangatta the greatest leader mankind's ever seen. And we could have done amazing things down here, but then we'd probably claim the glory, right? And we exist to praise and worship Jesus, not men and women. We come and gather on Sunday to praise and worship God, not whoever's on stage. You see, what we do up here is it's not a performance that people come and watch each week. Church is a place where we come and worship God and we're transformed by His presence and by the Word of God and where we love and serve each other as a community. We don't take any of the glory for what God is doing down here in Coolangatta, in this community. You see, God wants us to rely on Him and Him alone in what we do. And even though Gideon followed God's command to go down to just 300 men, this doesn't mean Gideon's act of faith didn't come with a certain amount of fear, right? Like, stepping out in faith is stepping out in the face of fear. But faith is stronger than fear. You see, because our God is not the author of fear, but of power and of love. Like, we all felt it, right? When we're in a situation and we need to step out in faith, God might be saying, pray for this person. You're like, oh, oh, this is like, I'm scared. I'm scared to do that. Or God's saying, hey, lead this group. It's like, oh, no, I'm scared to do that. We've all felt that, right? Where we've been in moments where we're, we're afraid and we're doubting and we need to step out in faith. So don't expect life to be totally fearless. But trust that fear is not from God and God's bigger than any fear. You see, if you're actually scared, it's a good indication that you're engaging in a spiritual battle going on. And Satan's scared. Satan's scared of you stepping into your authority, stepping into the kingdom of God. Satan doesn't want you stepping out in faith and bringing the kingdom of God on earth. So what he'll do is he'll try and project his fear on you to stop you walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and love. And 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. The perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. I love this. Because that's what Satan brings, right? Torment. He's trying to project that on you so you're tormented and not stepping into your faith, stepping into the calling God has for you. But it says here that there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. So in those moments you go, think to yourself, I want them to know the love of God and lean into that. And I love how gracious God is and so loving that even though Gideon had the faith to send the rest of the army away, he knew Gideon 
would still be freaking out inside. He knew Gideon needed some encouragement. Like inside, he would have been thinking, did I just send away my whole army? Like, am I crazy? Like, did I just really do that? There's only 300 of us. You know, I remember when I was going into ministry and I was working on the wharves as a crane driver, which is a high-paid job. It was amazing. And I also had a business that I was 50% partners in. So I felt a call to ministry, signed up for Bible college, and I left the wharves, and I still had this business. And shortly after, I felt God calling me to sell my half back. So I sold my half back, and then after doing that, I was like, oh my goodness, what did I just do? <laughs> like, I have a wife and two kids. I have no job, no prosperity of any sort of job at all. I'm starting in Bible college. I'm not that intelligent. That probably might not go well. Like, I, don't, I had no idea what I was doing. I'm like, did I just do that? Did I just put all my faith in God? But I love how God is so loving because God knew he would be freaking out. Gideon would be freaking out right now. And so what he does is he sends him to the camp to encourage him and let him know that God is with him. So God provides this comfort in the face of fear. And we see it in verse 8. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up and go down against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So Gideon goes down. He goes down to the camp because he is afraid. He doesn't know what to do. He goes down and he hears this guy. They're hiding in the bushes. He hears this guy talking about a dream he's having, that the, the, the army is going to get destroyed. And this guy interprets it. His friend goes, yeah, that's, that's Gideon of the Israelites. They're going to actually come and destroy us. And Gideon hears this and he's like, wow, he gets so encouraged by this. He returns to his 300 men and they devise this plan where they'll surround the camp and they'll get their trumpets in one hand and they'll have other things in the other hand and they'll make a mighty noise and they'll blow the trumpets and it'll sound like there's thousands of them, hundreds of thousands of them. So they do that. And the Midianites are already freaking out. And so they get up and they just flee, a lot of them. They just run away. God knew that Gideon was afraid and he had to encourage him. But you know what? He didn't have to. He could have said to Gideon, I've commanded you to do it. Go and do it. Off you go. But God is a God of mercy and of love and of grace, right? And it's the same with us. God knows we're afraid. God knows we have doubts. But he wants to encourage us. And he does this by his word, the Bible, stories like this. But he also wants us to encourage us to step out in faith. He also uses the churches, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what the church is. When we gather, we gather together to encourage one another, to lift each other, one, each other up in faith and in love. You know, over the years, I've been so blessed by this community here and the staff and the volunteers. They're constantly encouraging me. They're constantly calling out what God has over the life of this church. You know, I wouldn't be standing here today if there weren't people at Rabina who saw God's call in my life because I didn't believe it. I didn't believe I was a leader. I never wanted to get up and preach in front of two people, let alone like hundreds. But people saw what God was doing and they encouraged me in that. So God uses his word. He also uses the church. And we need to see the God vision over each other and actually call that out. Encourage each other in that. We need to lift each other up in faith and love, because that's the heart of God. And that's what we see in this story of Gideon. The problem is, what we do is, we complicate it, because we think we need to be experts in all areas. 
Like we think we need to know the Bible more. We need to be a really good public speaker or be an extrovert. But God just needs a willing heart to serve. He's saying, bring me what you have. I'll use your unique gifts and talents far beyond what you could ever imagine. And we simply need to have a heart for, to love God and love others. It's that simple. Love is the answer. Because the Holy Spirit, he, he works through, God, through love, right? He works through the love of God and the love of others. You may not know every single Bible verse. None of us do. You may not be a good public speaker or an extrovert, but God wants to use your strengths and work through them in love. And we can all love because we all know that, what that is. We can all love because he first loved us and showed us what true love is. True love is Jesus hanging on a cross for all of humanity. True love is laying down your life for those that don't deserve it. True love is God coming in the flesh. And instead of telling people to bow down and worship me, he came to serve and not be served. True love is, is being scorned and mocked and spat on and being nailed to a cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. True love is absorbing the sin and debt of you and me, even though we were enemies of God. He says, I love you. I'm coming to die for you. Would you the band like to come up? That's what true love is. We just need to look at the cross of Jesus Christ and say, God, take what I've got and use me for the, for the sharing of the gospel, for the sharing of the love of God to the world. And you know, Gideon's story, it's a story of grace from start to finish. It's actually grace for the nation of Israel. The reason why they were being persecuted by the Midianites was because they'd gone off and worshipped other gods. God hadn't left them. They had left God. But God, through his grace, brings Gideon to bring redemption and restoration to the nation of Israel. It's a story of God's grace to Gideon, a man who continued to doubt. Continued to go, really? 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 And God's grace comes and floods him and goes, yes, yes, yes. And he gives him the grace to overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see this grace in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. You see, we're very similar to this story. God has set us free from our oppressors, which is sin and death. Every one of us has sinned. Every one of us is under the judgment of God. But through Jesus Christ, we are forgiven and redeemed. We've been given the grace through the power of the Holy Spirit wanting to use you for the glory of God and the good of the world. You see, grace is the main point of this story. And it's the main point of the entire Bible. I love Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Sound familiar? Sound like what God was saying? Hey, take away all those those soldiers because I don't want you to claim that you did this yourself none of us can come before God and go look at all the good I've done I deserve to be in heaven every one of us is a sinner and we're saved by grace through faith it's a gift of God everyone who repents and put their faith and trust in Jesus receives that free gift because the God of heaven here's the thing and there's people here today that need to hear this the God of heaven is with you. Just like he's with Gideon 
and he will bring the victory. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, God is with you and he wants to work in and through you. Hear the true words of scripture over you. This is God's vision for you. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Go in the strength that you have. Am I not sending you? Am I not sending you? Would you join me in prayer? Just in this moment, think of all the labels that the world put on you. That you're not good enough. That you're not worthy enough. That you're not smart enough. Think of all the labels you put on yourself. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Think about your mustard seed. Think about the gifts and talents you do have. They are a gift from God. They are a blessing from God. Hear these words. Go. Go in the strength that you have. Am I the God of heaven and earth? who has all power and authority, am I, that nothing can stand against, am I not sending you? I'm sending you. You are my son. You are my daughter. I have given you a new heart and a new spirit. I want to work through you in power and love. I am sending you. That's who you are. You're not what the world says. You are the son and daughter of the Most High God. We are kings and priests to our God. And we're meant to walk in that identity in truth and in love. And you might be sitting there and, and you might never have known the gospel. That, that this is a free gift. The true love is seen on the cross. That Jesus Christ loves you and he came to die for you. You can't earn your way into God's love. He loves you and he proved that through Jesus on the cross. And in this moment, God is, is tugging your heart saying, come home. I want to adopt you into the family. I want to make you a son and a daughter. And there's no magic words in this moment. It's just being real with God. Recognizing that we're sinners. Asking God for forgiveness, saying, God, forgive me. And believing in Jesus Christ and saying, God, I believe that Jesus died on the, on the cross for my sin. And God, I believe that Jesus rose again on the third day in victory over sin and death. And I thank you for that, God. And then ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you open our eyes to see your vision for each and every one of us that we would walk in this truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you all like to stand as we worship together?